0: Greetings there, travellers, it's me, Wingover Gimble, famous, known bad, and welcome back to the end of the seven Dice. Oh, it's been a minute, dear travellers, and I thought I'd come in here and we do a little bit of a recap. And everyone loves a recap episode, don't they? But this is also not only a good place for people to catch up on the story... But for new people to come in and be like, Oh, that's what this is all about. What a great starting point, ring over. So, today we are looking at Escaping Carcosa's online edition, the Pathfinder crew. We'll also have one for the investigators in the Call of Cthulhu land, so do not worry. 2050 Seattle is right around the corner. So let us recount the events of day we started off meeting each of our dear adventurers before they actually stepped into the game when each of them were receiving the headset through various means and jumping in. We started off with Derek Hyland who would later be known as Akihiko Tomoe. Derek had awoken in his room, and he is bedbound. He has an attendant that his mother, Victoria Highland, had hired Roger Thompson, who is a large, very fit man who has a very jovial personality, likes to just have a great time and be people's buds. Unfortunately, Derek did not see eye to eye with Roger. Derek felt that Roger was simply a paid friend from his mother and he was simply there just to do his job and so he felt that any warmth that he got from roger was simply just a false pretense to allow roger to keep his job the package arrived and derek was ever so excited to look in and realize it's time kakos online we're going into a vr world full of fantasy and wonder and as Derek was getting ready to start getting it set up, he noticed that on the console it said Nostradamus Corporation, in which this brought forward quite a bit of bad emotions, as Derek's mother, Victoria Highland, who's a bit of a workaholic, was the head of PR of this corporation, and so Derek did not have fond memories of it. As Roger decided that they were going to go order some lunch, Derek got the device all hooked up, "'and placed on the headset and lied down in his bed. "'What Derek did not see and what we all saw "'was that a stranger was watching Derek from the closet. "'This stranger had white robes with gold trim "'and was wearing a pallid white mask. "'As Roger checked in on Derek, "'seeing that he was already in the game, "'he turned off the light and closed the door, and the stranger approached Derek's unknowing form. We then head over to Ryan Kelly, who will later be known as Nisla Stoneheart. Ryan was sitting on the couch petting a cat, Alistair, and was texting back and forth with Fable. See, they had already received... Their version of Carcosa Online and Ryan was dying to play it. Just wanted to hop in already but Fable was stuck at work. So after a little bit of back and forth texting, Ryan got the go ahead that she can hop on in. Hooray! Nothing's gonna go wrong. It's all great. You see, Ryan and Fable live together with their wonderful little kitty Alistair. And Ryan was sure that once Fable was off work, they can get on home, pop on their own headset and be in the game alongside her. As she put on the headset, she lied down on her couch and got comfy. And then we saw it. Stepping behind the couch was that same stranger, the white robes, the gold trim, the pallid white mask they walked over to ryan looking down at her unconscious form and alistair hissed and growled our story then takes us over to vanessa clark who will later be known as morrigan vanessa was just getting off of work She hated her job, as she worked at her family's massive entertainment company known as Digital Me. You see, Vanessa was one of those one-percenters you always hear about. Fabulously wealthy, but the wealth was a gilded cage. She was stuck in what her father and mother had wanted. What she wished for was freedom. And that came in a wonderful little game known as Carcosa Online. You see, her family did not want her to have this, so she snuck out, and she had purchased it through a third party. She hopped into her automated car as the acid rain had started up in 2050 Seattle, and drove to a small convenience store where she paid a scalper for the console. Vanessa drove home after shorting him $10, and said hi to the doorman in her fancy, fancy home and went up the elevator. There was even an elevator guy in there. You know those kind of people like I'm just here to press the button for you. That's a cr- Oh, Who even has that these days? The family's very traditional is what I'm trying to say. Traditional, rich with many hired staff. Vanessa made it to a suite and dumped off her stuff in the living room. It's a very open concept, decorated with lavish furniture, but a little sparse, no personality to the room itself. She rushed forward to her room that had a big wooden desk and set up the console there and reclined in her chair. As she logged in, we see one of the workers of Vanessa's family coming in to ask Vanessa something. And the stranger was right behind them. Vanessa had already had the headset on. The stranger had grabbed the head of the worker and forced it back towards Vanessa. The worker had screamed Vanessa's name, called out for help, but she never heard them. She never knew what had happened. The last of our four heroes is loon cross you see loon cross is a law student just recently arriving on campus his last interaction with his parents had not gone well they just revealed to loon that he was adopted and it was a devastating blow to him he was hit with a conflicted feeling of If I'm adopted, did my parents truly have these feelings towards me? Is it the same as with other children? My siblings? My cousins? But Loon decided that he was going to charge forward at being a law student, even though he considered himself a bit lucky to get in. Not really based on skill, but who knows? Loon was always seen as very pretty. People often mistook Loon for a girl, hitting on him and trying to get his number. As Loon was getting back, walking the campus and going to the dorm, they were stopped by their dorm neighbor, who proceeded to, as many people do, hit on Loon and try to pick them up and didn't notice. They got Loon's number, sent them a winky face, and re- Loon responded with the thumbs up and that was that. As Loon was heading towards his dorm, he saw that his console had arrived, and quickly brought it inside to his room, but was disappointed there was no food inside. The classic student starvation continued. They locked the door to their room and set it up. The room itself was very sparsely decorated. Loon had just moved in and had not been able to set up any decorations or anything along the lines. So they decided I'll sleep away the hunger. Loon had placed the headset on, and as Loon was being transported into Carcosa Online, the stranger had arrived. Their fingers were breaking and twisting, squeezing through the slit in the door not large enough. Their hand managed to fully get through mangled and mushed and snapped and reformed, opening up the door. The stranger then walked in and closed the door behind them with a click. And that was the last we saw of them. From there, our party had each individually met up with Nostradamus Corporation's beloved ST3v3, the face of the Nostradamus Corporation on Earth. Each of the party created their new characters. We had Akihiko Tomaway, the Catboy Magus. We had Nisla Stoneheart, the dwelf Investigator. We had Morrigan, the Talarian Monk, and we had Loon Cross, luminous summoner. As each of them had created their characters, they suddenly all felt themselves plummeting through the sky, and they each landed softly in Carcosa to see thousands of other players around them, as well as each other. As the players were overwhelmed by senses and smells, they slowly began to adjust to the brand new bodies. They each had their own means of adjusting, of course. Akihiko, who was not quite used to the concept of walking around freely, had fallen down, and it'd take a moment, but quickly he realized that he could pull from memories of this body and start to be able to get up and walk around no problem. Meanwhile, Morrigan was trying out their own body, that of a Talarian, which is, kind of think of it as a, a taller Kenku. They were a raven-type, and they started trying to look for something to eat and people to communicate with, and Nistla, who was a dwarf, was getting used to the strength in their body, the dexterous movements and grace, and went and purchased some food. The nearby vendor had given Nisla quite a bit of food, and so when Morgan saw this, Morgan assumed that Nisla was indeed a server, a local who was there to give them some food, and when they tried to eat with their beak, they were very thrown off. And Loon, the ever-starving student, smelled the food and quickly rushed over and purchased some as well. And when they all tried this food, they were amazed. The flavor, profile, everything, they were tasting it, they were chewing it, the texture, it was all as if this was really happening. The world of Carcosa Online, this virtual massive multiplayer online game, had felt like reality. It was remarkable that these headsets were able to connect their brain in such a way. And while this was happening, they checked their UI and they saw 12,000 players online. Servers full, of course, the first day. The servers are going to be full. They did not set up for a lot of players, but 12,000 was enough to play with. Suddenly... The sky was filled with dark clouds, and yellow light leaked in between them. We saw a thirty-foot-tall individual descend from the clouds, tattered yellow robes, hood pulled over their face, a very grand stance as they looked down upon everyone. They proclaim themselves to be Haster, their king in yellow, and that all the players who they referred to as travelers in this game, as many as the NPCs do, are now his subjects. They are pitiful creatures that cannot escape his domain, and if they wish to escape, they must find him at the bottom of the dungeon. Aster then tells them if their pathetic bodies die in his world, then they will die in their miserable dimension. Many players got upset about this NPC being rude and went to log out, only to realize that no one had the ability to log out. Everyone's button was grayed out. They were not able to contact system administrators. A panic had swept Through the crowd, people started looking around, wondering what the hell was going on. A bug introduced so early in the game, such a vital one. The group decided that they were heading towards the guild hall. Quickly, they were forming bonds without even realizing it. As they were heading out of the town square to avoid the mob panic, the ground started to crack, and skeletons popped out and emerged to fight Everyone, They looked around and realized that the gods of the city were deactivated, and they would have to do this fighting themselves. So everyone joined together and began battling against this skeleton horde. And at first it was remarkable. They were swinging these weapons, casting these spells, firing off, and they felt so powerful. They felt these bodies of these travelers, something stronger than they've ever experienced. But then they also realized these bodies were not invincible. But when the skeletons attacked, when they were stabbed by their blades, they felt all of the pain. And when you're not used to such a thing, when you're just some very soft, squishy denizens of Seattle, it was a brutal experience for all of them to go through. Akihiko was knocked unconscious and Morgan was heavily wounded, but they managed to fight off the skeletons, and Nisla recovered everyone with healing. When they were fighting against some of these, they even realized that the skeletons themselves were sucking up the blood of the travelers and quickly creating muscle, skin, and organs. The party not like these surprise skeletons and later on we would know the skeletons that got fully formed in flesh would be known as skelly boys as the chaos had worn down and the skeletons were defeated across the city of Carcosa they looked at one another in shock as they checked the UI 10,928 players online. This had meant, if the being in the sky known as Hastur was correct, 1,072 players had perished. This would go down in the histories as the launch day tragedy. From there, the group decided that they were going to go to the church and get healed. They remembered looking through the game manual, and that there was a spot where players would be resurrected, healed, and whatnot by the locals of said church. Loon was dragged off by some skeletons, who were fully human now, referred to as skelly boys. They just scream and are dressed in tattered clothing. As the remaining players were walking along, they found a symbol on the Church of the Shining God. It was a yellow starburst symbol with a set of smiling teeth, and it looked rather suspiciously like the merch from the streamer known as Smiley. The people in town were scared and shaken, and they started to see that people were rallying into groups. They went into the church, and there they met the priest, Saint Bernard Busybody, and he managed to heal up everyone, As they were talking to Bernard, they found out that he seemed way too real to be an NPC, but they couldn't confirm it. They went outside and noticed that some NPCs were stuck in scripts, but every so often they would glitch out of it, act differently. Ryan had made it a primary investigation to look into this, if this world was truly real. They wandered and saw that there was another player, a well-known streamer, known as Sapphire Moon, who was banding together a lot of players to go into the dungeon together. The party thought that this was a bad idea, as they didn't want a big group in democracy in very high-tense situations that required quick reaction would lead to a lot of people's death. They instead moved forward, though the party had a bit of a tension as Akihiko had a bit of cold attitude, and Morgan was not afraid to question Akihiko's judgment. As they continued, they met another player known as Amber Guardian, who they found out was a cleric, and they happily had her join their party. They went into the guild hall and talked to an NPC named Dave, a dwarf who was there working reception, about getting a guild going and finding out it was a bit too expensive for the money they had and they were all getting tired, so sleep was still a thing here. The party is also interested in saving up for a guildhouse, and Akihiko is asking questions outside of Dave's normal script. When Dave began to glitch, there was a moment of clarity with the NPC as they were looking around, wondering what they were doing, why they were talking about all this stuff, as they were staring at everyone, and then they fell back into script. They wandered around the guild hall a little bit more and they found that, of course, working at Information Services was ST3v3. They found out about the boss and the sub boss and that the first level of the dungeon was a forest and plains with a little bit of swamp. They knew that they had to go in there, defeat the sub boss first to unlock the full boss, and that after defeating the boss, they would unlock the next level of the dungeon for everyone. They wished to log a ticket with the Nostradamus Corporation to send an employee to Ryan's home, but were unfortunately unsuccessful, and decided that the next step was to try the dungeon, and began gearing up. Meanwhile, while all this was happening, we go back to what happened to Loon. See, Loon was carried off by 30 skelly boys, and it was a little bit of a ride, As the party was leaving the guild hall, they saw that Loon was standing in the little park there and trying to step over 30 of these skelly boys. And they all snapped their eyes towards them. And when they started trying to talk to them, the skelly boys just all started screaming and yelling. So they figured, not my problem. So the group went off into the dungeon to figure out what to do next. By the dungeon, they found Smiley, the well-known streamer who's there for good times, happy fun, cozy moments, and just smiling. Smiley was offering the ability for people to leave messages for their loved ones through their streams that would hopefully be saved as VODs. So, Ryan left a heartfelt message for Fable. And then Derek left a message for Victoria asking her bluntly not to let people die of dehydration and starving, and told her to have fun spinning this one. The party then went off into the dungeon and realized that the whole landscape was a forest and a little bit of a swamp. As they were going down, it was a massive spiral staircase that was taking them from up in the clouds all the way down to the floor level of the dungeon. They saw that there was a great, wondrous tree out in the distance in the middle of a swamp, and off to another side of them they could see ruins of towns, and there was even an old-looking forest, you know, that classic spooky kind with, like, the dead trees and it's always winter. So as the party made it to the floor, they asked Morrigan to fly up and try to get a better vantage, now, remember, this was Morrigan's first time ever flying as a bird. So when she flew up there, it was the truest sense of freedom. And she looked around and saw a number of players were fighting lizard folk and gnolls. As the players then regrouped, they marched forward towards the swamp and the large tree, thinking, this is probably where the sub-boss is. They went into the swamp, and as they were going along, they saw another group of players that were fighting against these gnolls, and they watched one of the players die as they reached out to them and made eye contact and shattered into a million pixels. The players realized they can't do something for everyone, unfortunately, and trudged forward. As they went into the swamp, they were being bitten by a number of bugs mosquitoes and watsits and were just annoyed, all to end, they were done with nature. And that's when they realized they were surrounded by lizard folk. The lizard folk burst from the water and began attacking them, and the players fought back valiantly and took them out fairly easily. The only person who caught a really serious injury was Loon, who ended up getting a spear right through them and they ended up passing out into the water. They ended up meeting another player on their travels, named Houndman, who's pretty much an adrenaline junkie. They were a kobold barbarian, and were just happy to be there. They were talking about how they'd run into a number of players before, and unfortunately they died, but Houndman was under the impression this is still just a game, what's the problem, and didn't realize that when you die in here, you die in real life, but if anything, it just made them more excited to be playing. After the party determined that Houndman was hot by rolling percentile, Akihiko gained a little bit of a crush on this kobold. They added them to the party since Houndman was already level 2 and quite good at combat. Then they headed towards the great big glowing tree in the swamp to check out a sub-boss. As the party was looking over their loot from the lizard folk, they saw that they got some pretty fun magic items. There was four loose fingers that were dangling on a bracelet or a necklace it's really up to you how you want to wear it and whenever you broke one of those fingers it gave you an extra attack so morrigan ended up getting this one and this was the slow descent in morrigan's very disney villain-esque outfit that you will see in the future as they went along they found a clearing that was just before the sub boss There they ended up finding a number of players who were hesitant to go in to face off against the sub-boss themselves. They found out that there was an eight-player limit for each group that wanted to go in to fight this particular sub-boss, and that there was a wall of fog that they could not see through where the boss lurked. They spoke to a few people around the area when they realized that there was the streamer before, the one who was trying to gather a large group, Sapphire Moon. She was there with another orc bard named Abyssal Inferno. After a little bit of chatting, they found out that Sapphire Moon has been trying to go in there, but most of the players are too cowardly. They don't want to go in after hearing a number of other players die, trying to face off against this sub-boss. So, as everybody was waiting to go outside, they decided, to hell with this. We're going in there. And they agreed to allow Sapphire, Moon, and Abyssal Inferno help them because more bodies against whatever the hell this thing was, it was going to be a lot of help. So they rushed on in. And as they entered into this area, the fog surrounded them, and then they found themselves in a little clearing with a great tree. And there was the sub-boss, a great and powerful chimera. The party rushed forward and began fighting the great beast, and Loon once more was knocked unconscious, though this time technically Loon was doing as he should have, it was just his Eidolon was struck, thus hitting him. As the party continued to fight this chimera, they began to realize what they had to do. Each of the heads of the chimera had hit points, and then the body had hit points. But you see, the hit points of the body was immense. It was like just trying to put a fire out with a cup of water. So the group started focusing on taking down each of the heads. Whenever they took out a head, the chimera lost abilities to attack, and it also took off a chunk of HP from the body. Slowly but surely, they managed to take this thing down, although they were all quite ragged and exhausted. They were all given specific magic items from the Chimera, and a big announcement went across everyone's screens, including the other players all over the game, that the sub-boss was defeated, and who defeated said sub-boss, and then the party all leveled up. Hooray! All the other players saw the message and were rejoicing, realizing this game was beatable. They could do it. The players got a ton of cash from their victory and all went back to town, seeing that the whole city of Carcosa was in a grand celebration. Huzzah! The party began to celebrate with townsfolk and players alike, and the... Night went a little bit crazy as they found out, yes, you can get drunk in Carcosa online. So they did. The next morning, they woke up to another pleasant surprise. Their bodies were bodies of adventurers, and still technically this is a video game. So they were not hungover. Oh my goodness, they were all excitedly talking to each other in the morning, figuring out what they were going to do when they all started hearing the beeping of medical equipment. And one by one, they all fell unconscious. Well, travelers, I do hope that helps you with what all happened on day one, and technically the very beginning of the morning of day two. We are very excited to jump into day two of Escaping Carcosa. There's a lot of amazing, weird, and fun times to come, and some NPCs I'm sure you'll love, and maybe even a few you'll recognize. Make sure to check us out on all of your Podchaser apps. You can go over there, leave us reviews on the iTunes, on Podchaser, on Spotify. We're almost at 50 on Spotify. Huzzah! Also... Check out our YouTube. It's doing quite well. We just hit over 2,000 followers on that. Or is it subscribers or Whatsits? I don't know. We hit over 2,000 people that like our stuff. Cool beans! Check it out. It's real cool. That's where we put the video versions of these if you're not watching the video version right now. Alright, travelers. It has been a blast. My voice is a little bit sore. I just need some lemon water. I'm a little plugged up if you haven't noticed. All this dust everywhere. But until next time, dear travelers, I bid you all adieu.